0: the other side of that, it's the worst Irish defensive performance I've seen in a long, long time. Aaron Smith, he's truly, truly wonderful player. He's one of the best players who's ever played the game.
1: Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. So let's uh, bring in Colin Boyle then, because Kerry against Galway, 24th of July, half past three is our All-Ireland final. Colin, great to have you on. Four All-Stars uh, to your name, amongst other things. Great to have you on. Thanks, Amelia. Lats, how are you? Yeah, we're very well. So, we're just reflecting on the weekend as everybody is. I, I, you kind of have to start, I suppose, with the Sean O'Shea free, and everything was against him, not least the wind and the pressure of the situation, and talk about a languid style under pressure.
0: It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I just, when when David Clifford wins that free, I, I just think to myself, especially with the way that the game went with shooting into the 16, I'm just thinking that that shot is never on. Um, I thought they were going to work it short, but. The long rocher had the ball down on the floor. You're just thinking, if there's anyone that can make this kick, it's probably him. Hmm. And the fact that he made it with such distance, which was, was even more impressive, you know, it just it hits the back stanchion of the net. It was an unbelievable score in an incredible pressure situation. And just the fact of the timing as well, like 75 minutes on the clock. I think the lads covered it well yesterday. The running he would have put into the game and to be able to do that at that stage of the game was just, it was unbelievable.
1: Because even we just played a montage which included the Radio Kerry commentary and there was a fair degree of uh, tactical fouling high up the pitch by both sides. You know, they were stopping each other uh, developed attacks from, attacks from deep and on the Radio Kerry coverage, they're bemoaning the fact that Dublin have been smart enough to foul Clifford far, enough out the pitch to prevent the kick at goal. So even at first glance, they thought, well, this isn't kickable.
0: Yeah, and even from from Dean Rock's free, I was I was watching out to see Aaron Dugman going to be holding Kerry here. We've been really cynical. Um, they'd Kerry kick out, but they're not, and, and they get it off. Shane Ryan takes a risky enough kick, probably, to bring over uh, a Bill glee at the top of the D, and they managed to work their way its way up the pitch. But I think when Clifford wins it, Davy Byrne has it in his head. He has to follow him here. He can't let him turn and, and go at him, and, and that's what he did. But I'd say at that time, if you're Davy Byrne, and you're probably thinking this is a good place to
1: follow the ball but as it turned out it wasn't unfortunately for him Yeah it really was an extraordinary moment and then of course there's no time and it's you know it's so rare you get something so dramatic at the end of a match like that like it's notable you mentioned the, the build up the Objugluck uh, kick and even the kick into Clifford it's a really brave kick you know I mean that, that, that's a risky one and it has to be pinpoint and it bounces lovely into him like in a sense you'd have to say despite only scoring two from play I think in the last 34 minutes in that passage Kerry went out and won it as opposed to Dublin losing it
0: yeah they, they won it because they went for it and then you hit the nail on the head there Paul Murphy so many players in that situation wouldn't have played that ball because it is it is a risky pass and especially if Davey Byrne did get the hand in there and knocks it away you're setting Dublin hot off on a counterattack up the pitch, and they get a score and they win the game. So the the, the margins were literally that fine. But sometimes the risk reward—if you—if you take the risk, the reward is there. And it was certainly there for Paul Murphy. Like Paul Murphy's a—he's a brilliant footballer, mm-hmm. and he's brilliant—he's a brilliant footballer. So, so he had the confidence to take it on. It wasn't a difficult one, but under them circumstances, every pass is difficult. And he just—he—he he took the risk and got the reward from it, from the from what happened afterwards.
1: Carried the better team for you overall,
0: Colin. I think just slightly Joe yeah it was a strange kind of game like it was a brilliant game don't get me wrong but it really started at 100 miles an hour it was up and down the pitch it was it was electric for the first 25 minutes probably and then the black hair come and it kind of changes how both teams are nearly playing Dublin obviously are trying to wind down the clock and they're playing and a lot of keep all of possession, and, and I think at one stage they hold the ball for nearly three minutes or so, and it just kind of killed the flow of the game and it killed the momentum. And I think actually he again gets turned over, and, and Kerry come down and get the penalty from that. And then obviously there's a couple more minutes of of what happened there between before the penalty and after with with Evan Comfort. Um, so it kind of killed the flow of the game. And I would say even the, the first ten or fifteen minutes as a second half, it was it hit the game definitely hit a bit of a lull. But then after that, like you're, you're thinking at that stage, Kerry sticks up, you're thinking they're gonna you know sail off into sunset or win this by maybe
1: 70. i tell you what, your line is just misbehaving one. a touch. We'll take a very short break. We'll get it sorted and we'll pick up the conversation seeing we just started. We might as well sort it out now. So Colin Boyle, uh, back with us in just one second. Now you're very welcome back. So Colin Boyle, four-time All-Star player with Mayo is with us on the line. You're there, Colin? Yeah, I'm back again, Joe. Perfect, good stuff. So uh, we were just in the midst of, uh, well, trying to make sense of the crazy game. We, we were, you were saying, on balance, uh, Kerry deserved the win. There was that odd period that you mentioned whereby Kerry didn't have a wide for the first 18 minutes and were in cruise control and then neither team scored from the 23rd minute until Clifford scored in the 40th. It was it was a few minutes added on just before the break. So Kerry went 17 minutes without a score and then Dublin didn't score for 25 minutes in this game, which was extraordinary as well. I would say at half time, I, I, I'd be curious to know what you were thinking. Most of us were uh, worried it was going to be damn squib. I don't know how confident you were based in the first half that the Dubs were going to come back.
0: I wasn't confident at all, Joe. To be honest with you, just on the on the way Kerry were playing. Obviously, when you're not fully at the game, you don't know that the strength of that breeze. Uh, the most obvious um, thing to me was that Dublin weren't really taking shots on from around the D area like they would have. So it was telling me that that strong was probably, uh, or sorry, that wind was a lot stronger than it looked. Mm. Um, and that showed with even a couple of Clifford's uh, efforts at the start of the second half, he was pulling them, the wind was taking them. So it obviously was a stronger wind than we thought, but... I wasn't confident, I just think Dublin looked, they looked like, Kerry looked like they'd so much more than Dublin, especially in attack, and to be honest, I thought Kerry might go the opposite way, that it might just pull away from them, and even at the start of the second half, Clifford plays a a ball into Stephen O'Brien, who's in acres of space, and you're thinking, if he just pulls in that ball rather than trying to, um, if he just side-foots it in rather than trying to pick it up, then the game could have been over, really, at the start of the second half, so there was a couple of moments, that and the penalty, that probably kept Dublin in it. Mm but at the same time you'd give them huge credit at the, at the response it was probably kickstarted by that Costello goal I suppose
1: Well that was an extraordinary goal
0: Yeah it was, it was unbelievable and I just watched it back earlier on like when, when David Moore turns over the ball they literally it's five hand passes work the ball up to Costello only one player takes a play hand pass hand pass hand pass Costello bang back to mm-hmm. the net it was a sensational goal uh, from Dublin. Uh, like it's it's a goal when, when Costello receives the ball, that goal is not on. You know, it was incredible even to go for it. I suppose the fact that they weren't playing well, they were probably in desperate need of something to to kick start them and that and that definitely did. There's no doubt about it.
1: Colin, what was your read in the first half? You mentioned Dublin had a few wides or else were reluctant to shoot on account of the wind. There was Howard kinda of skewed one outside of his boot wide uncharacteristically and, and Costello with a wide and there were some turnovers as well, like Gannon in the build-up to the penalty that O'Shea missed was turned over quite badly. That period for much of the first half where Dublin had a lot of possession, 45 metres, 50 metres, 55 metres, in the main weren't kicking ball inside to their full forward line, weren't too keen to shoot, it all looked very stagnant and like very hard work. Uh, so presumably Kerry are doing a lot right there in defence, but but your read on what was going wrong for Dublin too maybe?
0: yeah they were like there was a couple of things in that like we've mentioned the wind already so they didn't want to be kicking the ball in against us with Dublin or sorry Kerry generally were set up if Ty Morley wasn't there the sweeper it was probably Jeremy O'Connor getting back in there or it was David Moore and they were just covering off that space around the D area where Dublin tend to get most of their shots from the big thing from it then on the counter attack, Kerry were looking to get that ball in straight away, and David Moore in particular. The goal is obviously a great example. They weren't; they didn't want to give the likes of Johnny Cooper or James McCarthy chances to get back in and sweep in front of that full back line. So they were getting the ball in as quick as they could, and they were hurting Dublin really on the counter attack. It's with the spaces that was there, particularly for obviously O'Shea and 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 the two Clifford's in particular, in particular. and that kind of fifteen minute spell there, just be, kind of before the rack or drawing the black card, really did a lot of damage um, for Kerry.
1: We were just chatting there before you came on about Clifford versus Mick Fitzsimons. That was mm-hmm. a, that was a hell of a toss. Yeah. So it was looking ominous early on for uh, Fitzsimons.
0: It was, but even a couple of scores that Clifford got in that first half, like if you look at it, a lot of time or a couple of them, I think Merchant was on, I think a few, Lee Gannon might have been actually on him. So it was, it was a case that maybe Fitzsimons was getting caught marking someone else so i wouldn't i wouldn't put him fully on the on the four points that Fitzsimons got but he was sensational in the second half I thought Mick Fitzsimons i yeah. thought he just he was getting hands in just knocking the ball away from Clifford if it, you know if you were Kerry going into final you would be a small bit worried about how little tra- uh, training he's done obviously Jack O'Connor said it in, in the aftermath of the game, like he definitely isn't operating at 100%, as brilliant as he was. There was a drop-off against Mayo two in the second half, uh, probably because of the lack of training he's he's physically able to do. So that would be one slight worry for, for Kerry going into the final. But full credit Simons, as you saw already said, 33 years of age and he, he just gave it absolutely everything in the second half and it was it was a titanic battle between the two of them.
1: Yeah. So I presume, and look at what your defenders had on, if you're a Fitzsimons, that's your... Uh, primary thought, I would think, get a hand in. Just get a, just just do anything you can to stop Clifford getting primary possession. Because once that tends to happen, the result is fairly inevitable. It seems.
0: Oh yeah, if you're getting a hand and you're absolutely delighted just to knock the ball yeah. away from him. And I suppose the thing is about about Fitzsimons too, he's kind of cushioning Johnny Cooper, had been taken off on, on about 40, 45 minutes. I think they moved Brian Howard back to to six, so he didn't really have a man playing in front of him. So there was an awful lot of one-on-one defending back there for, for Dublin in that second half. And you have to say to do as well as he did, like I, I heard you mention, to, to keep him to four points for any defender is nearly a good day out. It was nearly the same for Oshie Mullins in the quarterfinal. To keep him to 1-2 was nearly a good day. And that, that is the level mm. of uh, an operator we're talking about here.
1: Yeah, it's frightening. All right. So, mm. and, and you know on Clifford, I mean, you'd have, you'd have such a, a good sense of where cutting edge S&C is. He hasn't done much training. We don't know exactly the nature of the injury or how, or how little training he's done. Uh, to what extent does a, does a high-intensity game bring you on Versus, I don't know, 10 training sessions. Like, you know, the way in pre season players will often talk about, oh, well, you know, you can train all you want, you just need two or three games to get up to speed. So, can Clifford almost short circuit the lack of training with these, you know, the Mayo game and now this game? Or, or do you just get found out a little bit if you haven't got the base done?
0: Yeah, look at the the base is important. There's no doubt about that, Joe. But look at it's hes surviving the games. He's getting through the games, which is the big thing. I would I would guess that he did very little in the two weeks in the lead up to between the Mayo game and and the Dublin game. And mm. watching what he might have been doing in training, where the lads are training, he might even do maybe a lot of straight line running on his own and avoiding twisting and turning on, on the injury he has, you know. And again, that's get you to a certain level, but it's not going to have you at a hundred percent for seventy plus minutes, you know. And I think that's what we saw the last day. But but there's no doubt about it. Even a David Clipford offer at seventy percent as Syeste is still absolutely lethal and definitely can be a match winner in the in the final against Galway.
1: aside from just I suppose the, the, the simple answer, which is that Dublin are still a very good team and, and, and games can go this way. Why did it swing so much in Dublin's favour after the Costello goal?
0: From experience from playing against Dublin, when you when they get momentum behind them. And the crowd and the Hill 16, I know it sounds very simple, but it's very hard to break that momentum again. And the stadium literally feels like it's in on top of you and everything's going against you. And I think Kerry just went through a period of that and everything for for Dublin is flowing. They're attacking their kickouts. Like McCarthy kicks a score from out on the right and straight away he's he's, he's up, breaking the next kickout, smashing it back in and Kenny gets a score. And the crowd is up, and just the whole momentum, and it's trying to really break that momentum. That is the that is the key thing, and of fairness to carry the data with, the, with O'Shea's score, but it, it's a difficult one to try and explain unless mm. you're really in it. But it's it, it, it's it's incredible because they respond to that, they feed off that, and like I said, the sooner you can stop that momentum, the the better for for you, obviously.
1: In your time, did Mayo have tricks to try and break the momentum when it felt like the stadium was in on top of you?
0: We did not we didn't. Look, we often spoke about trying to slow down the game as much as we can. We just we just really concentrated on maybe trying to uh, set plays on kickouts, you know what I mean? Because so many times they'd have you squeezed in your half and you kick out. Like 2019 is a perfect example. When they squeezed us semi-final, they scored 2-6 in the first 12 minutes of the second half because we literally couldn't get off the pitch, couldn't get up the pitch. We couldn't win our own kickout. Yeah. And the kickouts that we practiced and that we tried and that we talked about just weren't coming off for them because the momentum, so sorry for us, because the momentum they gained but that was literally all we we were trying to do just trying to win our kickouts and get the ball up the pitch away from from our goal and maybe build a score to to take the the heat out of the game
1: Yeah so it's more complicated than just someone good and injured presumably
0: Yeah because a lot of look at uh, the way it is now obviously with head injuries and whatnot, it's it's a bit more difficult to, um, to stop it but like I said to you when that flow is going against you it can be very difficult
1: Yeah I mean it was quite striking it was a lot of the old guard wasn't it who stood up for Dublin it was Kilkenny equalising point and just driving them on it was Fenton it was McCarthy with that outrageous point you mentioned and then just you know his his all round performance Uh, Fitzsimons um, it's to their credit it's a testament to their um their, their their perseverance, I suppose, in many ways. The the other side of the coin is, it's probably a slight reality check and worry for Dublin that they haven't had that emerging star Conor Collin aside, who who is stepping up at this stage.
0: Yeah, and like you were mentioning, James McCarthy. We talked about Clifford and the lack of training he had coming into the game. Like how much training, on James McCarthy, realistically, probably limited enough. He's, he's picked up a lot of injuries through the year, even through the league and, and into championship. So for him to put a performance into that, especially so late in the game, in the last 15, 20 minutes, when the game was really slipping away from Dublin, even to have the hunger and the will to do it, for a man that's won so much uh, as he has, was, was sensational. And Kilkenny, like you mentioned him there as well. He, he was incredible in that period, but it would it would be a slight worry for for Dublin because you know even with the bench, even with the boys that came in and started, the likes of Lee Gannon started well, but I thought he, he had a really iffy game after that. Um, Larkin Adele, you know, didn't really contribute. And, you know, the older guards you're talking about, if they're not there next year, if, if James McCarthy and Mick Simons, Dean Rock, possibly, um, Johnny Cooper, if they say they're, they're done now, you know, they are four colossal players to, to lose for Dublin going forward. I'm not trying to retire them or anything like that, but yeah. in the next year or two, realistically, these boys are going to finish. And you're looking at what's coming behind you and it's definitely not the same call player, there's no doubt about it. But if you're if you're Desi Farrell or a new Dublin manager coming in, you'd be definitely trying to on the phone to Jack McCaffrey. And I think Paul Mannion has made it fairly clear that he's mm. not coming back. But uh w- would be slight concerns if I was a Dublin fan in that regard, there's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah, it does feel like two teams going in opposite directions, maybe. Mm. Uncle yeah. Ke- Uncle Kenny, right? And this is mm. this is nitpicking and this is almost uh, making a a point of noting just how Awesome he was in that period where Dublin really wrestled back control of the game. There's times where you want him to be sorry, there's times where I want him to be a bit more adventurous in the first half. I mean, he's brilliant at recycling possession and he keeps them ticking over. But it's almost like w- when Kilkenny feels we need to go for it here. This game's in the melting pot and he goes into overdrive and he takes on shots and he goes by a man and he, like he sort of forces the issue. There's times then I look at him in the first half and I think, well, actually. You should force the issue a bit more here, as opposed to being this uh, metronomic playmaker type. Is that is that a fair question to ask?
0: Yeah, and, and like to be honest, I think he is. A couple of years ago, sorry, he went through a really spell of just being that playmaker. He was wasn't taking any risks really. He was just always recycling the ball. He was coming as a receiver. Look, I think for Kilkenny, I think he really misses Carlo Callan. I think if them two boys are together, they just feed off each other. And like like you said, it would have been nice to see him taking a few more risks in the first half. But look, sometimes it's just not, not happening for a player on, on any given day. But the second half, he was just absolutely oh. sensational. But if, if Dublin had got a 70 minute performance out of Clarence Kilkenny like that, probably would have been enough to turn the game for them. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. So what would you make then of Kerry when they were in the melting pot when they were in that kind of white heat of championship in the furnace contemplating my god we're going to lose this again which must have crossed their minds it's getting away from us again these were the question marks we had over Kerry since the Tyrone game how do you think they handled that really tough 15 minute spell and and I'm, I'm asking this I suppose with Galway in mind
0: I, I, th- I think they mixed the good and the bad to be honest with you I think you know they responded generally well to the goal I think they went back three up in front again I think Paddy Clifford puts them up um, three in front but that next 10 minute period once McCarthy hits that score they did look nervy there's did, they did, no doubt about it they did look nervy and they were doing some uncra- uh, making some errors that you wouldn't um, typically see Kerry do and it just looked like they couldn't get Clifford on the ball they couldn't get Sean O'Shea on the ball um, they couldn't get Paddy Clifford on the ball and it, it was worrying. Dublin did seem to have them pinned in their own half. And like I said, they were making giving away turnovers you wouldn't associate with them. So if you're Paul choice Joyce and, and Keane O'Neill, you just got to be thinking, stay in this game as much as possible and bring it to the last 15, 20 minutes. Because I know it, it sounds very easy, but Kerry did look nervy in that second half. And I know the, the Dublin factor is obviously a big thing. They haven't beaten them since 2009. Mm. But a lot of them boys haven't won the All-Ireland too. So in the final... With 15 minutes to go, if you're there, they're about that same nerves and that same um, that same age or, or whatever it is might be there for them again. So that, if you're for Joyce and Keane O'Neill, that's, what, that's where you're trying to get this game to.
1: Well, there is a weight on Kerry that isn't on most teams. Huge. Huge. Yeah, huge. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you could only imagine the response if Kerry had lost that game yesterday from the position they were in. Like, them boys would have come in for some serious, serious heat. There's there's no doubt about it. So the sense of relief they will get that from is huge. The Mm -hmm. sense of confidence they will get from that, no doubt, is huge. But I'd say if you're Jack O'Connor, I'd say after the game, he'd probably be pointing out an awful lot of things that they've done wrong rather than what they've done right because they want to fix them for the final because that same pressure is going to be there in the final. You know, what they're everyone's going to expect them to win this so that brings an extra pressure now kind of different pressure than, than what they had the last day I would say so you know that's, that pressure will be there so I'm, that's what I'm saying for Park Joyce and Keenan O'Neill you make sure your team is in that in that game of 20 minutes to go to bring that pr- pressure to them
1: Yeah because I mean if you'd said to Jack O'Connor pre-game you're going to score two points from play in the last 35 minutes and still win the game
0: Yeah he'd unbelievable. Be pre- pretty surprised Yeah yeah, unbelievable with the forward line he has, with the bench he has. Like normally, you can put Killian Spillane on for two points when he comes off the bench. He he had an off day. In fairness, Darren Moynan, comes on and kicks the score. But Sean O'Shea had a quieter second half. Even though he wins that free before the free, he kicks to to put them one up um, in injury time. He came to the fore, obviously, when he was needed, but he did have a quieter second half. There's no doubt about it. So when you look at it, it was might be a good way for sure, for for Kerry to win it. If they'd gone on, maybe and won that game by seven, eight, nine points, and not maybe got that series test, maybe they might have been less battle-hardened off the final. Now they know what they can do with That that mental strength probably is, is in them now. It's just a matter of doing it now again in the final, especially if, if goal would bring them to the to the tough moments.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll preview that with you in just a second. One last. Mm-hmm. Uh, point on Dublin, I suppose. Uh, Malky Clerkin had an amazing stat in the Irish Times today and he was, uh, well you will know this all too well, it's that like during this period of Dublin, quote unquote dominance, they were often taken to the wire and and to like the final minutes of a game and invariably they seem to come out on top so uh, Malachi Lurkin was saying that Jim Gavin managed Dublin for 107 games league and championship and so of those 107 uh, 33 of them ended with a margin of just 3 points or less either way so 33 Dublin games they won by 3 points or less and of those 33 Dublin only lost 9 of them So 33 times they're down to the wire and uh, only nine times do they not come out on top. Whereas it has flipped a bit under uh, Farrell. This was Dublin's uh, under Farrell ninth game decided by a goal or less. And they've only won one of those nine. So I know I've thrown a lot of uh, numbers there, but nine times under Farrell down to the wire. And they've only come out on top once. So there is something you, you would have glimpsed all too closely a Dublin side who had an ability to as a group think clearly with composure and somehow come out on top whereas that seems to have ebbed away a touch people have pointed to the Scully shot for instance which, which skewed yeah. off his boots yeah. so, so something maybe has been lost there a touch column
0: yeah there's no like that scully shot that flashed into my mind as he took it on I that shot wouldn't have happened five years ago I don't think he would have been holding that ball and recycling and getting a shot away getting it to Dean Rock on the on the edge of the D or something like that they were making mistakes like Sean McMahon gets carried out you know um, solos the ball out over the sideline and the, all these vital errors in the last couple of minutes were were really undoubling dublin like in the last couple of minutes but I suppose you have to expect that they couldn't keep at that same level mm. for you know they couldn't keep going on doing what they were doing and dominating so it is to be expected that they are going to come back I'd say an awful lot of the games in 33 games that you referred to I would say certainly in the games we played against them we were the nearly the ones chasing them down the home stretch. You know, they were almost always a couple of points up and mm. we were trying to get back at them. I think maybe the seven, 17 final might be the only the only one where we got in front with Lee's goal with, with ten minutes to go and they and they clawed us back. But an awful lot of the games, you know, we would have clawed them back and it was just in the last couple of minutes where they had that bit extra energy or that extra belief or know how or what mm. it was to, to get them over the line. But certainly that doesn't seem to be there at the minute. But the quality probably isn't quite as it was either. You gotta and, and obviously the bench as well
1: yeah I mean the umbrella issue for all of these questions is they're just not what they were they've lost too many players I
0: think, that, I think, that, I think that's the simple
1: fact yeah. yeah yeah you could boil it down to uh, mm-hmm. to just that simple point because even the um, man in possession with the arm in the air to his teammates like that's disappeared largely uh, what did that mean and, and, and I'm sure you looked at the tape did they get into a certain formation then or was it just uh, I, I half wondered if it was just psychological to show the opposition just how in control they felt they were
0: yeah, it's hard to tell when you're not physically at the game, but it just looked like cooper's usually the man that starts it and yeah. everyone else seems to go high up the pitch then. So they bring the Kerry defenders with them. So the the, the, Kerry, the Dublin forwards just seem to go forward and mm-hmm. bring the Kerry forwards with them. And they end up being able to play the ball around at the back an awful lot by creating an extra player around there. And they'll move it very slowly, very, very slowly up the pitch. But I, I mentioned earlier on, Cooper tries that around the black card time and you mentioned it Lee Gannon actually gets turned over about three minutes into that a couple of years ago that move probably finishes in a score I think that's the difference now with the quality instead of Philip like McMahon coming onto that ball and probably kicking over the bar slicing it over the bar from the top of the D it's Lee Gannon who doesn't have the same uh, skill set he's getting turned over carry down the pitch get a penalty mm.
1: Galway 2-8 Derry 1-6 start of the year did, where did you think did you, I presume you didn't suspect Galway would be in an All-Ireland final
0: I didn't, Joe, uh, but I did expect them to be better. I, at the minute I heard Keane O'Neill was coming in there, I knew they were going to be a better team. I knew they'd be far more organized, far more professional, um, and they would give it to any of the big day uh, teams on, on their day. Did I think they get to a final? Probably not. I thought maybe they might develop on in, in year two with Keane stay on there for year two or maybe uh, year three. Um, but the fact they're there now and people say they got the easier route. You get your luck by winning games. and That's exactly what they did. They bet Mayo on the first round and things opened up from there. And look, they had to, still had to come through a titanic battle with our man in the quarterfinal. Mm. But they're fully there on merit. There's no doubt about it.
1: You were at the game, weren't you? Uh, which one? Galway-Derry.
0: Galway-Derry, no. I wasn't. I was at their MA game, all right.
1: Sorry, yes. I, mean, I, I knew you were there yeah. for one of them. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're watching the box like the rest of us. Uh, yeah. Three 0 down at one point. Uh, I mean, it's it, it, it's a curious game to analyse. What well, at three 0 down? I was almost thinking God Galway might panic here, you know, which is a, str- a strange thing to say. They didn't. What did you make of that first forty in particular?
0: Yeah, I heard you talking about it before I come on there. It was a, it was a tough watch. It, it was it was really tough. You're trying to watch out for what's happening. Um, Galway definitely looked like they were very tentative. They, they it lo- almost looked like looked like they'd overthought things about Derry, about how to play against them, and they were playing them a lot at their own game. So even when they attacked, they were very, very slow with the ball. They were just allowing Derry to get back the pitch, and they were taking very few risks on that. Um, Derry was, you know, I think after about 25 minutes, the penny finally dropped with Galway. You know we have nothing to fear here against the boys, you know, I think we just need to release a small bit more and go at them and there was, look, there was a couple of moments, Comer scores, I, th- I think when Galway get through that 25 minutes at 3-1 down, it, it was actually a brilliant scoreline for them because I think they could physically see this is what Derry have to throw at us. Um, they're not able to score freely. If we can get the ball down to their entire forwards, they will, they will eventually score for us and I think we saw that in Comer, certainly um, for Galway.
1: Yeah. When you say that Derry, though, I mean, the evidence of the Clare game would suggest Derry can score freely. And we saw Derry uh, score at times, obviously not in every game, but certainly in in several games in Ulster where they have uh, colossal running power. So uh, was it that Galway said, well, let's just feel our way into this matchup, don't allow them running us the way they did at Clare? And and, and is it like incrementally almost they lose in the handbrake as the game goes on?
0: Yeah, I think there was a couple of things in it. Well, if you look at part probably their scoring chief, he was well held. So you normally expect him to be getting on the scoreboard early. Yeah. But it was Brendan Rogers kicking the two points. Um, obviously, that wasn't sustainable as the game went on. I think he kicked the first two out of the two out of the first three. So that wasn't sustainable as the as the game went on, especially when Coomer was pinning him back in his own half after that. But they, I think it was that period when they were 3-0 up and they didn't score then for maybe 15 minutes or so. I think that rocked Derry a small bit mm. because I think they would have felt, especially when Galway like, eventually got in the scoreboard, Derry probably felt we should be 5 or 6 up here. Then Comer really to get a score from John Daly and, and Comer again. The, it's funny, the the, the the I was going to say the VAR, but the Hawkeye decision, I think that actually nearly worked in Galway's favour um, because Derry, Derry going at halftime, they think they're 4-3 up after a, a really, really tight game. And you're coming out for the throw-in, and just small psychological things. Go away, going in for the throw-in, and it's been announced that they're actually four-all, yeah. and the crowd is up. Go away, get up, win the throw-in, hold the ball for about 90 seconds, and win a free-in that Walsh puts over the bar, and all of a sudden, go away, for, going from a game. Where they weren't really in the first, So not that they weren't really in, but they conceded a huge amount of possession. All yes. of a sudden, they're in front, and the handbrake almost comes off. Then, and the belief is there, and you can they win another free with McGinnis. Well, I actually thought it was a free out, but he they gave the free against McGinnis, and and six four Homer then gets the goal, and really after that, it was game over.
1: Yeah, it was the Hawkeye decision obviously was bizarre when it happened, and like the shock when you see the replay, and you are like, oh my god, it's so far inside the mm. the post. To their credit. That was a tricky situation. Uh, like it, it's pretty much unprecedented, in uh, so much as I can think of, to reverse a decision which has happened in the first half. Like there's very few things you can reverse. Would have been very easy to panic or to sit on hands or to just you know uh, almost uh, be paralysed by the situation. They did the right. Like it was the common sense right thing to do. And I think even you know when it was mentioned to Rory Gallagher when he came back out, he nodded as if to say, "Look, I get it." And. Yeah. Uh, I, a bad situation really well handled actually in tricky circumstances because I don't even I don't even know if you're allowed to do that like I don't know what it says <laughs> in the rule book. we're allowed just actually give you the point because we've realised Hawkeye was wrong but I was really glad it happened because it would have hung over the whole second half
0: Yeah, I was actually surprised by Rory's Gala response to that I didn't expect him to take it as well as he did mm. um, but yeah I think the fact that a couple of things in it the fact that I was so close to half time uh, really helped like that if that had happened midway through the first half probably very unlikely that they would have come back to it at halftime maybe they would I'm not sure yeah Derry, Derry fans listening might be saying about Connor's last point in the in the first half as well that there's there's a dispute or that that was actually over the bar as well and that, that should have been looked at. So I suppose we have to we have to mention that as well. I, I'm not 100 percent sure if it was. I, I saw one camera angle and it did look like it had, it had snuck inside the post, but um, it's something certainly that's going to be need to be looked at. There's no doubt about it. But I think the way it actually worked out for Galway, I think it was actually better than getting the score at the
1: time. Column, your thoughts on this period in the second half whereby Oren Lynch, the Derry goalkeeper, was routinely coming up and joining the play and then a the turnover would happen and the crowd would get quite excited and generally Galway struggled to work the ball up quickly enough and then eventually it seemed like the inevitable happened and by the way, what what a finish by Comer. I mean, he, uh, <laughs> I think most players would roll that one in whereas he blasted it in from 30 yards, no bounce. But uh, Oren Lynch and, and uh, the fly goalkeeper uh, and the way Derry did it, your you read on that period in the game
0: yeah, it was interesting one because I think the camera actually went on, you know, I think after, after Cormer's goal, Kallar, you know, tries to throw caution in the wind and he's trying to create an extra player by by burning Lynch out. I think he goes over to him a couple of stages to to get him to drive up the pitch. It, it was interesting. Look, he didn't look comfortable doing it. I think that's number one. Um, he did look like, you know, if you're Galway go away and you're seeing him come up the pitch, you're probably happy enough because it's not an Ethan Raftery uh, someone that's going to do an idle need. Uh, sorry, not... Uh, I had the needle pass yeah. like like he was doing in the quarter final, you know. So I think all oh, we were happy enough, and it was very interesting actually. Comer's position and he was actually, you know, Lynch had got down the pitch. If you see the the camera from behind the goal, Comer's is actually right in the in the square when when that ball is turned over, and he's about twenty yards behind Brendan Rogers. He actually yeah. to, he ends up winning it out in front of him. But it was very, very interesting. Look, it was, there was a bit of desperation about it from Derry. You know, they weren't getting freed, they weren't getting runners from the Guinness and, and Glass, Galway completely negated that. So it was trying something different, but it just looked like it wasn't going to happen. It looked like it was desperate and it looked, definitely looked
1: like Lynch wasn't
0: comfortable doing it.
1: So, like, you see the value of a, a goalkeeper coming out in various instances, not least when they're adding a bit of impetus to an attack, and there's a bit of pace to a break, and you know they're an overlap and they keep a thing moving and keep a, a sense of flow about a move. But actually, where Lynch was coming out, and and this is more on Gallagher as opposed to Lynch, or, or, or the you know it's a policy, he wasn't just doing it of his own accord, I'm sure. But like Lynch was just joining a fairly stagnant. Yeah. attack uh, and uh, uh, he's just getting yeah. in the way he's just an extra body like he's, he's offering no value it's all it's all like it's all downside
0: yeah look at that's the reality of it he was, it's not like he was breaking a line he wasn't offering pace to attack I just wonder whether it be farther or off if they move Connor Glass into full forward and literally just tried long diagonals or something like that something small bit different mm. to get even Galway back closer to the goal where it might free up the D area a small bit more where Galway were protecting fairly well but like I said the, the whole Lynch thing it was a bit desperate it didn't add Anthony to their play I think it actually made the play- Derry players a bit nervous as well you know when they were with the ball um, because it just they didn't look comfortable and obviously they, they paid the price for it but it, you can't not mention a water finish by Comer. it was sensational yeah. like, he drilled it into the top corner from whatever he was 35 yards out um, I wasn't sure if he was going to go for it or take the, the easy option for the point but he, he fair played and he did and a super finish
1: yeah sure was so Galway against Kerry, then. What kind mm. of game is this going to be? We, we probably have a stronger sense of how Kerry will will line up. Will Galway go uber defensive here? Yeah.
0: Well, Kerry, what you see is what you get. They're not going to change now. They'll they'll play the same way and try, try and hold Morley as as the sweeper and as their as their one in front of the back line. I think Galway oh, will be fairly defensive. Yeah, they will. They will not play completely like Derry the last day, but they will be taking that D area. I don't think they've the players to go m- to match up Kerry. Uh, on a one-on-one basis when you when you consider the carry forward line that's there. So they need to protect them and they'll need the wing backs especially coming in, protecting that D and avoiding them situations where David Moore is is bombing in balls like he was the last day into a, into a two on two or three on three inside and mm. you and you've Sean O'Shea and, and Clifford there in acres of space. So I think Galway will be good on that and they will protect it. But Galway will be, will be able to hit Cur- her carry themselves. Like if you're looking at matchups, I know it's a bit areas we talk about of a comer You'd fancy Comer you know, on, on Jason Foley, if that's the way that lines up. Shane Shame, Walsh and Thomas Sullivan would be fascinating as well. But there are areas, certainly, that go like and Her Curry, whether there's enough, I don't know, whether they would be able to stop Kerry scoring enough. It's a big, big if. Um, but if you're Park Joyce and Keane O'Neill, mm. you're almost in a perfect position here for an ambush. You yeah. know it's All the talk about Kerry if, is going to be about Kerry for the next two weeks. There's going to be very little about your team so it could be set up for them.
1: Yeah, because we James Dunne on the immediate aftermath of full time yesterday, and and he was like thrilled with the result, obviously. And then as soon as we turned to Galway, he was he was just really emphasising, Kerry just have to park the elation of this. Like it was mm. such an extraordinary win, and it's against the Doves, and and in the, the O'Shea kick and the fashion of it, they just have to park this as quickly as possible. And he was saying it's not going to be easy to park it in some respects.
0: It's not because even today we're at Monday evening. Now, them boys are still in the high after yeah. yesterday. That it's only really going to be tomorrow or Wednesday before that kind of comes down and their focus will really go on Galway, you know. But look, at I think I think Kerry have been longing for this opportunity for so long that it's, it's very difficult to see them letting this slip. Now they're back in the final and they've, they've, a, they've a shot of the title against against Galway, who, who they would fancy their chances against. There's no doubt about it. Mm. If they get their stuff right. And look, they probably have a couple of injury concerns about yesterday, like Gavin White looks like very unlikely that he'll play if he's been carried off with a couple of minutes to go. So look, they will have concerns, there's no doubt about it, but your your instinct will have to say they will have too much for Galway, but i go back to it again. Galway are in a, an absolute ideal situation going into this because they will, they will fancy their chances against that Kerry backline, I think, especially the full backline, if they can get enough ball into them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just one last thought, by the way, on the weekend. Uh, particularly in Dublin Kerry, ironically, we saw a lot of, I would say, systematic fouling. And it, this is nothing new, but systematic fouling in uh, the opposition's half as they're trying to build an attack. So you stop them early and generally you get away with it. It's like we see it in soccer all the time, like Man City or ironically are major proponents of it like there was a point in the uh, match where who was it turned around Fenton Fenton was fouled in halfway, and he turned to the referee and he held up the three so that's three and it was a yellow card and I was thinking to myself if a black card is there to stop cynical fouling yeah Fenton wasn't dragged to the ground but there is something systematically cynical about this I, I don't want to be throwing out black cards for nothing but like it is a kind of cancer in the game that, and I, I don't know if, you know, just a free and eventually a yellow after a bunch of them is enough of a d- deterrent.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I, I spotted that with Fenton All right, it was Jim O'Connor. I don't know was he trying to make it out? It was him that had done it three times, or there was three different players that yeah. were fouling on the whole time, which which could actually be happening as well. It's a it's a difficult one for the referee because even Sean O'Shea, people saying he should have got at least a yellow card in the first half. He actually does a fairly tactical foul midway through the second half and he gets a, a yellow card first, you know, which we probably wouldn't have done if if he'd picked the yellow card out in the first half. So there's no doubt about it, it does happen. It's just, it's a hard one to police for the ref. You know, it, it, it is very difficult. You know, the likes of a bear hook where they're just holding on to the player and not letting him run, you know, and you know you're going to give away that free kick. You know, they, it's very frustrating to watch and you can see it actually did get... Uh, to Fintan yesterday as well when he was playing but I, I don't know what they're going to do about it because mm. it, it's a difficult one to police
1: yeah if, especially if you're different players doing it they're all you yeah. know, everyone's clever enough anyway uh, fun weekend thank you so much for coming on Colin Boyle appreciate it thanks a million lads